you in there, baby. You in control, yo. Starting defense. Place at the table. Welcome to Place at the Table. Sounds a little different this time. No fancy stingers, liners, whatever they call them in the radio biz. We're going to get those back, I promise. But from now on, it's going to be me every time. And then very special guests, like the one today. As I enter this new phase of my podcasting life, I've decided to bring on someone who is a pioneer in the field. One half of the greatest college football podcast there is, that at one time was the only college football podcast there was. Dan Rubenstein of The Solid Verbal. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Could you not meet Ty's rate? Dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm the budget pick. Ty, Ty Hillebrandt, his partner, is the pod father. He is yes. in charge of all the audio. He makes the magic happen. Dan is the pretty face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I love you both. And actually probably would not have gotten into doing this if not for going on your podcast and then listening to it and thinking, wow, this is so much better than the <laughs> stuff that I'm hearing on the radio. And can I, can I, I can do this? Like someone will pay to advertise with this and, and and people will like this. You're just saying that because we had you on to do '90s R&B trivia, and you really got to flex out in front of the college football nerds and their I, headphones. I did. I smoked the '90s R&B <laughs> trivia. But now, here's the thing: mm-hmm. no trivia I have done on your show compares to the trivia performance I put on as we walked from 25th <laughs> and now Broadway. Legendary. To 50th in Lexington a few years sure. ago on a cold December night as I was propelled entirely by gas emitted by mm-hmm. me following a, a dinner at Hill Country Chicken. This is totally true. A dinner in which somebody on Twitter purchased you a pie by calling into Multiple the place. Multiple mini pies. It was wonderful. Mul- it was so... If Joe DiMaggio has 54 straight games with hits, you had 54 straight blocks of just pure unfiltered trivia dominance it was amazing so i believe that was movie trivia that was 90s movie trivia Mm -hmm. and farting just solid farting with uh rachel lee cook and freddie prince jr and and the entire cast of she's all that find me a more quintessential new york evening (laughs) i dare you i recall central park and fall (laughs) no no now i recall Walking up Sixth Avenue with Ryan Nanny asking me questions about Independence Day sure. and pie digesting. It was wonderful. So those are the good times. That's right. So we're talking college football and, and you and Ty do it better than anybody. Uh, we're gonna talk about this week because it is a jam-packed week first, and then yeah. I am gonna make you give me tips that I will then execute in coming weeks on this podcast because you guys have done this for years. So I'm going to have to pick your brain, get some good advice. But first we've got to talk about you and you and, and, and Ty have declared this Sherpa Saturday. Why is it Sherpa Saturday? 
it's Sherpa Saturday because one, we like coming up with S words to put in front of the word Saturday. Chris Fowler used yes. to do that when he hosted game day. So we'd call it like separation Saturday. That's right. So we have Sherpa Saturday because we feel like this is the weekend that will carry us to the top of the college football mountain. Because there are, I believe, three top ten matchups. It's it's so insane. Teams... If you just if you just go by the yeah. college football playoff rankings, number one is on the road at number ten. Mm-hmm. Number two is on the road at number sixteen. Number three is on the road at number seven, and number five and number six play each other. Yes, that's crazy. It's wonderful and amazing, and I did think of, like, so that is nothing but positivity because we get so much high-level football, and I think the schedule bears out, like, it's spread out over the course of the day. Even there's a top-10 game on Friday night. Washington goes to Stanford, which probably won't be great, but at least there's we hold out hope. Well, the, the, um, listeners, of, the listeners of this podcast, the, the two or three regular listeners we have, sure. know how I feel about road favorites on a weeknight. Yes. It is and, always uh, dangerous. Always dangerous, and I, oof, I'm i trying to find a reason to really like Stanford here, but if you look at the record of those those road favorites or even just road Pac-12 teams in that weird Friday night game, whether it's on Fox or ESPN, whatever, it's not great. It's not wonderful. No, it's not. Now, here's the thing. Stanford, though, not the kind of crowd that is going to become the house of no. horrors, especially mm-hmm. not at 7.30 on a Friday night local time. That traffic around there is a nightmare, and mm-hmm. I, I just can't see them. They're a Chardonnay crowd anyway. Great crowd if you want to network. Exactly. If you have <laughs> a startup you're trying to get funded, if you need yep. some VC, if you need an angel investor, that's mm-hmm. your place. If you want to rattle the road favorite, not really going to happen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, no, what I was saying was there's so much positivity because we have so many good games, and there's so much just opportunity for weirdness to happen unexpected amazing things to happen there is one really bad thing that i don't think we fully recognize what is that this is the first weekend where at least a majority if not all i'm not sure how it's working that everybody or almost everybody is going to have 280 characters on twitter to yell (laughs) and that's a lot that is a lot of twitter I, I've been trying since I was bequeathed my extra 140 characters mm-hmm. to not go over 140, just to to remember sure. brevity is the soul of wit. You mm-hmm. know, it, mm-hmm. it's gonna be bad if I get too long winded because I'm a long winded writer as it is. Uh, my editors at SI will tell you that you don't need to give me extra space. That's a bad thing. A, a, a limit is good <laughs> for me. So yeah, th- and we need it's gonna get ugly. We need to emphasize, hit the enter button. I don't want to see 14 straight lines of text. I don't want to see paragraphs. That's It's absurd. <laughs> you're, you're like, I don't need that. You're like the guy on Twitter who got mad at me because I had a magazine story, and he said the paragraphs were too long. <laughs> I, said, I mean, he may have been right. Hey, Who's contained a single idea. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just no. following the instructions of my eighth grade English teacher. Yeah, so throw in some bullet points, throw in something to at least break it up for us on Twitter well, if you're going to be angry and yelling. There, there's and, and you and Ty have a phrase that you talk about called the window of opportunity. And what that yes. is is your time on a given Saturday to go do something else that isn't football related. There mm-hmm. is no window of opportunity on this Saturday. None. No, it, it, the window ends at noon Eastern. Sorry. 
Yeah. So it, that's it, it's shocking. You pull it open. Michigan State, Ohio State, and Oklahoma State, Iowa State, noon Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, right shot out of a cannon this weekend. Oh, it's incredible. Eat a late breakfast and just eat like a lumberjack so it lasts <laughs> you all day. Because I do that anyway. You know me. <laughs> eat breakfast, eat brunch, eat lunch, eat dinner, have a snack, all like lumberjacks. No, it's it's right out of the gate. Even the Northeast's most important rivalry, Penn State Rutgers, kicks <laughs> off at noon. So it never... I mean, this is crazy to me and this is the least important thing i'm sure we'll talk about penn state is one game ahead of rutgers in the division <laughs> oh good lord well four and, and two to three and three and also sneaky interesting game mm-hmm. at noon in the acc nc state at boston college yeah this if you this look feels up what like boston- the wheels come off for nc state kind of weekend Oh my God! If you look up what Boston College's defense has done against ACC quarterbacks, good ACC quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Kelly Bryant, everybody's being held down. There's something weird. I mean, weirder happening in Chestnut Hill. I don't know what's and, going and on. And AJ Dillon can stiff arm you to the, yeah. to the Earth's magma core. Like he he's nasty. So you've got that. But the big one that that window is Michigan State, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. If Michigan State wins this, they are in control of the Big Ten East because they only have to play Rutgers in Maryland after this. Yeah. I, it's, a, it's a full-on divisional championship, basically. So in our in our picks column at SI, they kind of assign us two games that we have to comment on along with our pick. I got to mm-hmm. assign this one, and I'm thinking, well, how am I going to do this? Because none of this makes any sense. What happened to Ohio State at Iowa makes no sense. A team None at all. Like Iowa, like okay, Kinnick Stadium, tough place to play. I can understand Ohio State going in there and getting narrowly edged. I, I cannot fathom how they got beat down like that. So, what does this mean for the Buckeyes? Do they come back from that? Are they psychologically damaged after that? Meanwhile, they're playing a Michigan State team that. Won an incredibly weird game against Penn State in which Saquon Barkley was throwing candy at people during a three-hour lightning delay. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also, this is a team that just lost an overtime game to Northwestern, a three-overtime game to Northwestern. So I, I don't know what to make of either of these teams. And so I picked based on weather. Yeah. I, I looked at the forecast on the day that I made the pick. And at the time, the forecast was for... About 40 degrees and sunny at kickoff. Now, I am now Googling Columbus, Ohio weather, and I want to see if that's changed. because I, picked- I already did. Oh. I've got it. Nope, still sunny, at- but colder. Yeah, it's like freezing temperatures at kickoff. And remember, this is so it's an hour earlier, so it's 11 a.m., so it'll be even no, colder no, Col- than... Columbus is on Eastern time. Oh, excuse me. Columbus is Eastern. I was I was thinking of the the previous. What else did I look up? That was I think Ames is yeah. Uh, Ames Central. Is, Ames is Central time. So yes, yes. Columbus, but but at noon, Columbus is still only going to be like thirty three degrees. Yeah, it's going to be cold. But I would imagine a lot of the Ohio State players. I mean, J T Barrett's from Texas, but I imagine a lot of them. Yeah, cold doesn't. They're used to playing in the cold. Cold this doesn't bother any of these people. Uh, right. But my my thing was, if it's rain, sleet, or snow, I'm picking Michigan State. If it's sunny, I'm picking Ohio State. It's supposed to be sunny, maybe partly cloudy, so I'll take Ohio State. That is, I hate to say it, I can't give you any dynamite analysis on this game because neither of these teams have made any sense. 
the last couple weeks? No, I, I mean, it's it, it a weird matchup. I mean, so Michigan State does a good job defensively, which is nothing really that new if you didn't pay attention to last year. It, it just feels like the, last year was sort of, you know, you skip a year, whatever. And here comes Michigan State. They're a very Michigan State team. They don't really run the ball all that well, which is weird because Ryan Lewerke has good. turned into the second coming of Dan Marino, though. He has. He is super accurate. He is efficient. You look at what you compare his numbers, just what he completes, how he keeps drives rolling, and he is totally good. He is one of the best three, probably, quarterbacks in the conference. And this is, it's sort of a revelation. Uh, we saw Felton Spencer last week be very, very good. And the the thing that's interesting to me, and I know you can speak to this, is Ohio State hasn't been covering kickoffs. And I know this no. is strange to bring up, but they haven't been covering kickoffs well at all. No. Going back to the Penn State game, even last week, Michigan State returns kickoffs super well. Yeah, I, I, I really don't like this secondary against Lewerke and a field position disadvantage. Yeah. I don't like that. I, I went back and forth, but I eventually had to go with the weather pick because it's Ohio State is still so loaded. Yeah. That roster is loaded. I can't understand what is going on. That But if we are if we're in mid or early to mid November and the best thing you can say about Ohio State is they have good players, not that they play well. That's bad. It's a bad thing. That's kind of an issue, right? It is an issue. It, and it's an issue, you know, we talked about When's Harbaugh going to break through? Well, guess what? Maybe Harbaugh breaks through against him this year because this does <sighs> this team doesn't inspire any confidence. Do you think with a reasonably better quarterback? Because I think that's sort of an issue with Ohio State. Not that JT Barrett isn't oh, talented. They, that they he's get just mad inconsistent. At, they get mad at me when I do this because I said this after the Oklahoma game. Right. I said I said you're playing three teams coming up in. UNLV and and Army and Rutgers that you should beat handily. Mm-hmm. Why not use this time to test out your other quarterbacks? See if Haskins can can maybe do some stuff in you know in a, in this in a second quarter series. Just see. JT I, Barrett's a competitor. He he would welcome the challenge. Sure. Why not? I feel do like that? we have the sample size on JT Barrett. Well, no, like- but we don't because we have that second half of the Penn State game where he looked like a Heisman Trophy winner. Sure, and that's wonderful. But then he threw a ton of picks a week later. I know. And I know. lost, helped to lose the game. I know. See, I was I was turned around, and then it was like, uh, it's because I, I I like J T. Barrett. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. I feel bad for the way this has all worked out. As do I. I would like nothing more than to see all sorts of players improve and help players around them improve. And Ohio State has, like, there's talent everywhere on that offense. They've got two very good running backs. They shouldn't be in a position where they're outgaining another really good team by 300 yards and need to hold on in the last second. That's, it's it's just strange. That's strange. So it, it also in this window, by the way, if you're just looking to watch, you know, out of morbid curiosity, mm-hmm. the psychological psychological damage game of the week, Florida could lose to Will Muschamp. Oh, no. And oh. just, just to put the cherry on top of the Gator season, they could lose to Will Muschamp. Yeah, and it's, and, I mean, the, and the badly South Carolina if offense. They, if they don't show up, yeah. Yeah. This isn't. I mean, the South Carolina team is fine. 
I mean, it, it seems like they have moments where they look like they're progressing. They, they but... got a quarterback. If they win this game, they're going to yeah. win eight. They're going to go eight and four in the regular season. That's great. That's unbelievable for so early on. In uh, I mean, Jake Bentley, I think, is still 13 years old. So. Exactly. <laughs> no, um, no. You have, he's a he's a coach's son who's a quarterback from the South. <laughs> so he redshirted. Sure, sure, in, sure. In, in in high in in school, not as a football player, but he redshirted during his academic career. So when he reclassified to skip his senior year of high school, he was actually graduating with the kindergarten class that he came in with. <laughs> just the normal, yeah, his his normal progression. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, Florida just wants the season to be done. They just need the reboot and. South Carolina could gain 86 yards and still score 40 somehow with Will Muschamp offensive math. So it's, it's I'm, how it works. I'm looking forward to following this game on the bottom line. Absolutely. Because you will be watching either Michigan State, Ohio State, or Oklahoma State visiting Ames trying to keep its Big 12 title hopes alive. While, mm-hmm. But, okay, and this is – you and Ty got into this on the podcast this week because you, you said you feel like Iowa State's a preface team where – I love what they're doing, but it's okay. They're, they're, they're great, but, well, right. I just did it to them. I just said Oklahoma <laughs> State is trying to keep its Big 12 title hopes alive. Well, guess what? So is Iowa State. Yeah. At a certain point, when, when do we have to, like, concede that Iowa State is just not scrappy, but they're pretty good? Well, they beat the two teams that, I mean, are the most likely to play for the Big 12 title. Yeah. They already beat them. They held one of them to zero offensive points. <laughs> yeah. We have to say, at a certain point, we have to say, Iowa State might be pretty good. You know, they're winning with a third-string quarterback. Last year's quarterback is playing inside linebacker. Yes. They hold, they're <laughs> leading, yeah. They're leading the Big 12, I think, in points allowed per drive. Like, they're, they're doing things consistently well, and they're playing at home, which is not near Stillwater, Oklahoma. Ooh. And... I, you know, the, the combination of a good defense and a, a weird place, I think, I mean, if you're going to point to to weather, it's going to be in the low 30s with showers. That doesn't help Mason Rudolph. It certainly and does not. James Washington has a bum ankle. Yeah, there's there are factors that are not advantageous for the Cowboys. Um, I don't love what Iowa State does on offense, but we've seen them win without that much offense. So I, I at the very least, I think Iowa State keeps this game close. If not, wins this I, game by three or four points. That's the thing. I, I, I feel like we should not doubt them. I feel like this is going to be a lower scoring game than what we've seen out of Oklahoma State this year. Because mm-hmm. that's what Iowa State turns games into. So yeah. I, I, I think Iowa State can win this game. I, I, I'm going to I'm not going to preface it. I'm just going to say they can they can win the game. So sure. All right. Let's move into that other window into 3.30, go to the loveliest village on the plains. Mm-hmm. Auburn is in the very strange and unique position of if they beat Georgia, beat Alabama, and then beat Georgia again, they're probably the first two-loss team in the playoff. The more likely scenario is they lose to Georgia and they lose to Alabama, and then they're trying to decide whether they want to keep Gus Malzahn or not. Right. <laughs> That's that's the ceiling in the floor for the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> and it's like three plays from each other. It's crazy. So this is this is a fascinating matchup for me, Dan, because I feel like I'm being unfair to Auburn because the only time I've seen them in person this year was at LSU when they completely collapsed. They were they were 
absolutely predictable on offense. They did not make any adjustments and let LSU come back and, and steal that game away. It's a bad sign. It, it, okay. And then if you go back to the Clemson game, again, no adjustments. Clemson, it, Clemson defensive linemen were trying to rip body parts off of Jarrett Stidham and, and probably would have succeeded had the game not ended. So sure. this seems like a team to me, just based on what we've seen, that if they can out-athlete you, they're going to beat you to death. Mm-hmm. But if you have as good of athletes as them, they got a problem. And Georgia's athletes are as good as Auburn's athletes. Sure. So this is, this is a, a Kirby Smart versus Gus Malzahn matchup more than anything else, it feels like. Yeah, it also feels like, and maybe I'm just blanking on games at this point, but is this the first huge game of the SEC season? It really is. Okay, just it, making sure, because LSU-Bama felt like something was off last week, mm-hmm. and we, we've had disappointment after Mississippi State looked good, then they get killed, and right. like we just... we the, the Going we, into the Mississippi State-Georgia, that, that looked like it could be a big game, and within right. about five minutes, you knew it wasn't going to be. This one feels like it'll last. Um, our pal Bill Connolly mentioned something in previewing this game. Auburn doesn't really have a middle-class performance. Right. They don't really score 27. They either score like 10 or 47. Well, they scored and 23 once, and that was against LSU. Yes, that was not enough. Um, this Auburn team is is really interesting because they do so many things really well, especially on defense. Yeah. Offensively, they seem like they're not going to create big running plays, which is strange for a Gus Malzahn team. They're they're patient and they they hit holes, whatever, but they're not gashing you. Uh, Jarrett Stidham is looking like he's improving. He's popping bigger passes to, to a really good receiving core. And defensively, they're outstanding in the red zone. And so that's where I think, if, if I'm going to have to like crystallize anything, it's the fact that we have Jake Fromm in a huge game on the road, which he's already won, mind you, at Notre Dame. Yep. But a, against a defense that's as talented and fast and angry as Auburn's is, especially in the red zone, it's you know playing at Auburn is a little different than playing in a Notre Dame stadium with half Georgia fans right. or sixty five percent Georgia <laughs> this, fans. This will not be a red takeover of Jordan Hare Stadium. It will be all Auburn, very loud. When that eagle eats the mouse at the fifty yard line before the game, it will be going bonkers. So. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fantastic. I'm I'm just I'm very excited because I think Jake Fromm is very good, and I can't wait to see what he looks like playing four full quarters in an SEC game. And I hope it's this week. Uh, here's here's a stat. Can you tell me where Jake Fromm ranks nationally in yards per attempt, which is one of the only passing stats that actually matters? Sure. Um, if I had to guess, I would assume top 20. He's number five. That's incredible. He's three-tenths of a yard behind Mason Rudolph. It's, that's, and that's incredible because he's not asked to do a ton. Right, but they when he does, it's explosive. Yeah. He makes plays, and he's accurate, and will only get better, as true freshmen tend to do when they succeed early. Sorry, Christian Hackenberg. That was not meant Ooh, to be a soon, Too soon. Too soon. But he has the, he has an improved line. He might have the best offensive line coach in the SEC. Uh, he's got an incredible depth of running backs. Jake Fromm's only getting better, which should scare everybody. It, it should, and everybody keeps saying, "Well, they don't ask him to do anything." That doesn't mean he can't do it. Right. It just means he hasn't been asked to. And why they, would you? They will not ask him to if they don't have to. But, yeah. Never, never pass when you can run. But. I do think Auburn's defense will force 
him to, to beat them with his arm, at least at times. Uh, Auburn's defense is very good. Their pass rush is nasty. Uh, they're fast. They've got big DBs that, that can mm-hmm. cover well. So I, I do think I do think Auburn is going to force him. I just I think he can he can do it. That's that's the part that that people don't seem to get is there's a difference between can't do it and hasn't been asked to do it. So here's my question to you about Georgia because I, I imagine you've probably watched a little bit more Georgia than I have. Where are they susceptible and? To what degree do you think Jarrett Stidham may be the clear best quarterback they've faced this year? Because he may be. I, I think Brandon Wimbush might be the best quarterback they've faced this year. He might be the best overall quarterback. Yeah. So Stidham definitely has the best arm. Here's the yeah. thing, though. If you stop Auburn in the run game on first down and get him behind the sticks, mm-hmm. you can mess with Jarrett Stidham. Yes. Just go back to the Clemson and LSU games. So in the LSU game, they ran on 17 consecutive first downs, which is great early when they were gaining eight yards on first down because they put Kerry and Johnson in the Wildcat. So mm-hmm. Devin White, the LSU linebacker, told us what they did at halftime. And what they did at halftime is they looked at it and they're like, something's just off. We were missing one gap every time they go into the Wildcat. And so Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, goes, okay, well, one of the safeties, as soon as Johnson shifts into the Wildcat, that safety comes down, and we'll have an extra guy in the box, and we'll fit every gap. They did. All of a sudden, seven to eight yards becomes one to two yards. Auburn never adjusted to that. They kept trying to do it every single, almost every time on first down, and it put Stidham in this horrible position on second and third down, especially on third down, where he's just dropping back and getting slaughtered because LSU knew they had to throw. There was no fear of the run game at that point. And that's the biggest the biggest problem is they've got to figure out how to mix it up because sure. if you can't mix it up against Georgia, they're going to shut you down because they – I mean, the, the guys they have, Lorenzo Carter and Dalvin Bellamy – who are linebackers, but the you know three four type linebackers who come off the edge, mm-hmm. very fast. If they know you're throwing, you're done. Mm-hmm. You have to have a threat of the run, and that's that's what what Auburn's challenge will be, and that's what the challenge is ahead of of Gus Malzahn and Chip Lindsey. They got to mix it up because they have not mixed it up. And it's one thing when you're playing Arkansas, and Arkansas can't stop you running the ball, and you're just physically dominating them. You can't physically dominate Georgia, and you can't physically dominate Alabama, so you're going to have to figure it out. First and second down creativity. Exactly. Throw on first down every once in a while. Make the linebackers question what they're seeing. Do, Do what Alabama did in the second game against LSU in 2011, where they completely flipped the script on their play calling mm-hmm. tendencies, and... LSU didn't know what to do when Alabama was suddenly coming out and throwing on first down. So that that's because Jarrett Siddham's a very good quarterback. He's got a great arm. It just mm-hmm. you, you gotta you gotta mix it up. All right, staying at three thirty, the team that crushed Ohio State last week, yes, Iowa goes on the road against Wisconsin. Now Wisconsin has been the subject of major debate this week because it's. We, we love to assume everybody's going to win out. <laughs> when we know that everybody can't win out. 
So, but we, we love to assume this. And so the argument all week has been, well, what happens when Wisconsin's undefeated and all these other teams are undefeated or have one loss? What are we going to do? Are they going to get left out of the playoff? Wisconsin could lose this week. Could they not? Sure. <laughs> they could definitely lose this week. Wisconsin's a team with some flaws, and one of them is sort of not their fault. They're dealing with injuries. I saw another receiver is now mm-hmm. out for the season, Quintez Cephas. Yeah, they're, I, they're, they they're leading receiver, yes. Yeah, and so just in terms of options, I know they have other good receivers. Well, Tro- and Troy, Jonathan Fu- Troy Fubagali is really the, the number one target or the yes. most dangerous target. Yeah, so. and... And they're not going to rely on the passing game. They're not a balanced team at all. And Alex Hornerbrook has been fine. He's been a little bit sloppy with his throws across the field, whatever. But that's not how Wisconsin beats teams. They still have a very good defense. They still run the ball relatively well. They're not busting bigger runs. But Jonathan Taylor's been really good. He's been excellent. He's been so good. Um I uh, I don't love Iowa in this spot. I think it's a, it's a bad time to be coming off of an emotional season defining win yeah. to go to Camp Randall. Yeah. Now this game, the last three years, Wisconsin's won two, Iowa's won one, but it has been a one possession game every time. So yes, uh, I I expect this to be another one possession game, but I do think I think Wisconsin wins it. So it, I mean, <laughs> we we haven't even gotten to your night games yet. That that is that is this week. In a nutshell. Oh, by the way, there's a Florida State Clemson game at 332. Remember when that was the biggest game in the country? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember that. Yeah, yeah the last oh. three years. <laughs> Unbelievable. This um, is crazy. The, it was, it's, it's kind of fun to see people talking themselves into. I was hanging out with a Clemson friend last night. And he was like, this is Florida State's Super Bowl. I was like, you, you got to make the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. Like, this is exactly. not anything. No, I mean, they're playing for pride, but they've had an awful season, and they're not that good this year. They're just not. And that's okay. That happens to basically everybody except for Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. Except it happened just to gonna Urban. just going to have a it, clunker. It may be happening to Urban Meyer. Had, it, they may consider this a clunker. Uh-oh. That's true. Within the context of Ohio State, this is a clunker. But aside from that... Sometimes people just go six and six, and that's the thing that it it just gets lost on people who, you know, we see Nick Saban more than we see anybody else in college football, and that's not real life. No. That's just not. No, it isn't. He's the only one that's been able to do that. And speaking of Nick Saban. Yes, hit me. They're going to Mississippi State. Now, I I get that Alabama's had tons of injuries at linebacker, and they've Mm -hmm. got to play some young guys. But for whatever reason, they have been absolute kryptonite for Mississippi State's offense. Yes. As good as Mississippi State has been, like the the Dak years specifically, mm-hmm. they still have never really been able to get it going against Alabama. So, I'm more of a Chris Ralph man myself. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's, that's the hipster Mississippi State quarterback pick. <laughs> Wayne Madkin is the ultimate hipster Mississippi State quarterback, but he didn't play for <laughs> Dan Mullen. So, yeah, when in doubt, go Wayne Madkin, who I, I, mm-hmm. I forever imagine is is riding shotgun in the Rolls Royce that I saw Fred Smoot driving in the Comfort Inn and Suites parking lot in sure. Starkville because that was the nicest hotel at the time. Mm-hmm. They've I since, believe it. They've since built a lovely courtyard by Marriott. Oh, love a CBM. <laughs> love a so, pillows are fantastic, and it's it's reliable Wi-Fi. What more do you need? Exactly. So, yes, Alabama's young at linebacker. That is a somewhat of a concern when you're dealing with Nick, Nick Fitzgerald running the read option because he's mm-hmm. very good at that. He's very fast. 
if he gets loose, you got a problem. But I do think they will try to make Nick Fitzgerald beat them with his arm, and that's going to be tough for him to do. That's a problem. There's something about the Alabama defenses playing against Dan Mullen offenses where you know you always see the quarterback, even going back to Tebow, where they get the snap and the shotgun. They sort of hesitate for a second and try to figure out which hole they're going to hit for three, four, five, seven yards. And Alabama always just seems happy to be like, you can run wherever you like. We're going to be there. Yeah. And it's it just feels like that once again this year. And Jalen Hurts seems to be particularly, other than when he's on finding himself in like third and nines or whatever and, and the closer games. I feel but like he's much better this year throwing the he's ball. He's really good. Yeah. I really like it's, him it's a not, lot. And the numbers don't look all that different. It's just the way the ball comes out of his hand that looks different. Oh, he's he's throwing it in a, a much more confident way. And I think he realizes that it's cool if I don't need to make a, a throw tight into a window because I can pick up 12 or 14 yards, and mm-hmm. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. I, I think Brian Dable has been a, a really great hire for them, and they seem like they can beat you in more ways than they could last year offensively. Defensively, yeah. they're, they're obviously thinner, but I, I still have a hard time betting against Alabama – against the field as do i i don't i mean especially mississippi state and you can say it was a look ahead game and i am totally fine with that but they kind of struggled with umass a little bit yeah yeah they're coming off the win against texas a&m i i get that but no i i I think i think you're right i think that was a a bad omen yeah if you're gonna beat alabama or hang with alabama you should be a team that comfortably takes care of business All right, so now we go to the dueling primetime games. Yes. What a night. Notre Dame at Miami, TCU at Oklahoma. Let's start in lovely Miami Gardens, Florida. Notice I will not say South Beach because it's not on South Beach. Nowhere near South Beach. It is in Miami Gardens. It is right next to the Dade-Broward County lines. We will be geographically correct on this here podcast. So I think Notre Dame's the better team. I think... They're going to play a defense that is statistically and physically very similar to NC State's, and they average 5.9 yards a carry against NC State. I think they'll mm-hmm. be able to run the ball against Miami, too. Yeah, what Miami seems to be doing really well is they're fast, they're unpredictable, they confuse quarterbacks, but what they don't necessarily do is stand up stoutly against the run when you go straight at them. When you make it very simple, Miami's defense is not nearly as good. And I think Notre Dame will be happy to keep it simple with Brandon Wimbush and Josh Adams, right. the clear probably, well, depending on what, how you feel about Jalen Hurts and his five running backs, but in uh, outside of Alabama, the clear best running backfield in college football. And, and the best left side of an offensive line with Mike Unbelievable. And, and Quentin Nelson. So, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be all right. But you're right. Where Miami will get you is if you get in a situation where you have to throw, mm-hmm. they are they are big and fast on the defensive line, and they're going to give you problems if you if you get behind the sticks. The pro- the thing is, Notre Dame is hardly ever behind the sticks. Yeah, they. I mean, they they play so efficiently, and Chip Long has done a very good job simplifying things for this offense. And you know, Brandon Wimbush is that I, I talked about this with Ty on the show. I, the only thing I really don't know about Notre Dame is what Brandon Wimbush looks like with two minutes left down five. Right. Which, well, you do, except it was his second game starting. Right. And it was against Georgia, and he got whacked by Davin Bellamy because Davin Bellamy came unblocked. Yes. So, so 
Yeah, I, that that's my question about Notre Dame, but I think they're happy to keep it simple. And Miami, and I think you're right. If they're able to force third and sevens, third and elevens, whatever, they've got corners who are happy to drape on EQ St. Brown and Chase Claypool and Alizé Mack. They're they're they match up really nicely physically to Notre Dame. That's if Notre Dame gets behind, and I don't I don't see that happening a ton. All right, Big Twelve potential preview of the Big Twelve championship game. Maybe, mm-hmm. unless last week was the preview of the Big 12 championship game. TCU at Oklahoma. TCU's defense feels like it can slow down Oklahoma's offense, though I can never imagine Baker Mayfield being entirely shut down. Yes, that that sounds right. TCU's defense is outstanding. They give up too many big plays, but so does basically everybody Every team in, the in the Big, big 12. 12. Yeah. Yeah. So that aside, because that, I mean, it's even. Oklahoma does the same exact thing. They have an extraordinarily talented offense. They have the best quarterback in the country. And their secondary is below average. And that's fine, because they can make up for it much more often than not. Uh, But if you you think TCU can win in a difficult place, and Norman's a difficult place to win, unless you're Iowa State, mind you. That's right. You're counting on key big stops preferably on the TCU or excuse me, the Oklahoma side of the 50. And that's fine, but I, I don't see it happening consistently enough. I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think it's closer than I think it's about a touchdown spread. I have it as a shootout, which obviously means, you know, it's going to be a 20 to 17 game. I think the scoring's uh, down a little bit. Here's, here's my thing. If you can block Oklahoma, mm -hmm. you can shred their secondary. Absolutely. Because you just got to give your QB time to throw. But I don't trust Kenny Hill, obviously, as much as I trust Mason Rudolph or Will Greer or somebody like that. So that's why I think the score stays down a little bit. Because TCU will keep Oklahoma out of the 50s, I would think. Maybe out of the 40s. But I just don't know that TCU offensively can keep up, even though Oklahoma has deficiencies in the secondary. Yeah, I, I just think rolling with Oklahoma here is probably the move and I, I think the kenny hill point is fair it's just it's tough man it's <laughs> tough to run the table it's tough to go to norman and win and we've seen tcu have what about two and a half clunkers already this year yes. as a very good team yes and that's that's the problem i mean there's no perfect team in the big 12 they no. they are all flawed and they've got to not only get to the championship game then they have to win a championship game so the odds of somebody getting out of there with one loss, I feel like they're very slim. Yeah. It's just too much to go. I mean, if Oklahoma gets past TCU, they still got to play West Virginia. And then they still got to play TCU or Oklahoma State or Iowa State again. It's that, unbelievable. That's just a lot. Now, I, I will say I have loved the divisionless football in the Big 12 that leads to a championship game. And Same. I, I now want every league to do this. I am totally fine with what the Big 12 has been this year. And uh, Ty and I talked about this before the season. The Big 12 was not fun to watch last year for the no. most part. It's been and a that blast this year. They, it's been the best TV show in college football. I mean, the SEC has been extremely top-heavy without a ton of good quarterback play or at least excitement in, the, in their bigger games. The Pac-12 has sort of eaten itself up. The Big 12 has been super fun. The Big 10 is... You don't really make sense of anything that happens in the big 10 no. at the top 
And the Big 12 has just been, this game is at, what, 8 p.m. Eastern time? Sit, make a good dinner and sit down and watch this game and enjoy t- TV. It's great. It's, it's going to be fantastic. And you're going to have to split screen it or put, put the yeah. Miami-Notre Dame game on a device. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're going to be entertained. This is, this is going to be an incredible weekend. Now, once this weekend's over, I'm going to have to do a, a podcast on, on Sunday wrapping this all up. And now this is where I, I need to pick your brain, Dan, as a pioneer sure. in this field. <laughs> what do I need to do going forward? To make this fun, to make people subscribe, to make people tell a friend, to make people leave a good review. You need to be consistent. So the big thing Ty and I have done, just like many of the teams we've talked about, a lot of clunker shows. Just (laughs) because we're tired, we're dealing with other stuff, but we always hit record at, you know, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. We always hit record on Wednesday evening, and... The idea of not having shame and like I know a lot about Ty and I haven't really hung out with Ty a ton. He lives in Pennsylvania. How, I how, live in New York. How long did you do the show together before you actually met in person? Two years. Wow. We did the show for two years. I was living in L.A. and he was living and still lives in eastern Pennsylvania. And the the thing that like and I'm sure you we've talked about this. You listen to a ton of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to a ton ton of podcasts. It's immensely personal because you say I'm going to listen to the show at the gym or while I'm mowing the lawn or I'm doing the dishes or I'm cooking whatever. And you want to ha- you're disappointed when the the new episode of a show you love isn't up when yes. you're ready to listen. And so it's this immensely personal thing. So. I probe Ty about his life and his family and his wedding planning and he the same back to me. And hopefully it like that sort of honesty is endearing to people who listen to the show and and count on having you in their lives for silly college football talk or fun college football talk or whatever. And I think the idea of reliability and sort of, you know, people have just like we all do. People, there's garbage that happens in people's lives. If you mm-hmm. can be like that thing that they can count on for being fun, I think that's a it's a hugely underrated positive thing in so, their lives. So hopefully, get up, go to work, press record. That's yeah, that half the battle right there. All right. So during the season, mm-hmm. there's obviously a, a, a very noti- you know noticeable easy rhythm. You know, you you do your preview shows. You now we're taping this on a Thursday for the rest of the season. That preview show is going to get taped on Wednesday. It's going to be ready for you, your Thursday morning commute. Mm-hmm. The review show is going to be taped on on Sunday. It's going to be ready for your Monday morning commute. So we got that part. But once the season ends, the structure ends, mm-hmm. how do you fill the months, the long, cold, <laughs> nine-month slog without football? It's, I mean, it's a question we're still trying to figure out. So we go to the national championship. We try to bank a few interviews. I mean, we've done it. We've had a couple coaches on. Kirk Ferentz, I think it was a couple years ago. You know, we had Adam Amin on, who is now like our best friend in the world. Um, (laughs) So we bank a couple interviews at the national championship and take a couple weeks off after that. And so we have those ready to go. You have signing day that you can talk about for a couple shows beforehand and after. You have spring, which is not super exciting, but it gives you an opportunity to sort of look back on the season, look forward as for like freshmen coming in and rolling early and new coaches and stuff like that. And you have the whole new coach thing, which is is content anyway. But it, it really hits a, a really weird place. And we embrace it around 
June, May, July. And we try to, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and that's fine. We try to think about the show like almost like we're a TV like development executive. Like, mm-hmm. let's just come up with ideas and see if they work. So and this, sometimes they do. Is this how I wound up on your show giving fat guy fashion tips? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's something human that people appreciate. And you know, there's little guys that like college football and big guys and little girls, big girl, whatever. <laughs> and we all have something. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm proud to say I hope I've talked a lot of your fatter listeners out of pleats. I, oh, I, I feel I'm like sure. I've done a public service just saying we, that. We did. Um, we've done it a couple of times in off seasons. We've called it like a scheme theme month where we've had Chris Brown on from Smart Football, and we've had, we had like Tom Herman on to talk about how he like sets up defenses and lulls them to sleep and then hits them with bigger stuff. And then we've had, you know, Jeff Schwartz to come on and talk about offensive line play. And, you know, those types of shows aren't for everybody, nerding out over, you know, developments in strategy. But people, like, the people that like that stuff love that yes. stuff. Yeah. And so we really feel like we are catering to... You know the the nerdy weirdos of college football in in the way that we can, and I I've talked about this too. Is we don't always try to think of ourselves, and it's it feels weird to talk about yourself so much, but like we're not trying to be Applebee's, we're not trying to be McDonald's. <laughs> That's, That's a fine. great like, people that, are, and and on here on place at the table. By the way, it's called. <laughs> place at the table because of that scene in the program but also because i do a little bit of stuff about food mm-hmm. you're gonna get a lot of that in the off season they're, they're, sure you know you may have me interviewing a chef i i can guarantee you there's gonna be at least one episode a year maybe two where i sit down with daniel vaughn who on twitter he's at barbecue snob he is the, the Texas, best the texas monthly barbecue editor greatest job on earth so we'll oh talk God. to him uh, we'll bring you, Dan, back on because you, you're – when I go to New York, you're the one who tells me where to go. Yeah, and happy to do it, happy to eat. That's There's, right. Yeah, so what I was going to say is we try to think of ourselves as like, oh, we're the best Korean barbecue spot in town. Nice. And that's fine. People love it. You can make it's a lot great. of money as the best Korean barbecue spot in town. You can, absolutely. And you you fill your niche and you have fun. Well – we're going to have to work on this. And I, now we did one last year when, when I was doing a, a podcast at SI with Lindsay Schnell, where mm-hmm. you and me and Lindsay got on and we kind of ripped off. How did this get made? Which is one of my favorite podcasts. And we did necessary roughness. So I may need to book you for the program at some point in the off sure. season, because we're going to have to do a full length podcast on the program. Why don't you do how did this get made but about ridiculous college football coaching tenures? Oh, why don't you do that tremendous. for like Ty Willingham at Notre Dame? How did that happen? Well, I can tell you how it happened. He took Stanford to the Rose Bowl. And yeah. I also remember when Ty Willingham was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and Notre Dame was 5 and 0 oh, and and it was, "Oh, this is going to work. This is going to be amazing." And yeah, no, I, Charlie Weiss would be the 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 even more fun one. Sure. But I like that but it, idea. It, 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 yeah, it's not even how did this happen, like how did he get hired, but how yeah. did this like how did this entire tenure like just yes. ex- let's let's go back and just explain everything. I think that'd be great. I think, you know, taking deeper dives into some of these historical because college football fans love to nerd out on the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. And the further you get away from something, the more willing people are to talk a- about it and open up about it. 
Right. So I, I think that's a fantastic idea. And there, there's, you know, there's some other things like next year will be the 10 year anniversary of the three way tie in the Big 12 South. Like, that's right. How great would it be to get Mac Brown, Bob Stoops and Mike Leach talking about the three way tie? You could probably get Graham Harrell. Sure. <laughs> I, I guarantee you I could get Graham. I know I get Mike Leach. Yeah. He, now, he'll probably talk about how Texas Tech still owes him two and a half million dollars. I think he talks about that in his sleep. So, yes. Listen, if somebody owed me two and a half million dollars, I probably wouldn't wouldn't stop talking about it either. It's it sounds reasonable <laughs> to me. But yeah, you can. There's there, there's so many things to deep dive. Yeah. that. All right. I like it. Well, I tell you what. Hit me up, Andy underscore Staples on Twitter, and let me know what what should I do with this thing? How what direction should I go? What would you like your show to be? Because it is your show. I'm the one who's talking, but you're the you're the ones who listen. You're the ones who tell your friends. You're the ones who rate and review and who subscribe and and decide whether it becomes a success or a failure. So you let me know what would you like. Do you want more great guests like Dan? Do you want a bunch of coaches talking? <laughs> do you want, uh, you know, do you want me to talk about food the whole time? I- I'll do it. <laughs> I will do whatever. I will probably try to bug Dan as often as possible, though. Sure. Because, you know, I and we don't have a Mount Verb more here like like you do, but we we may have <laughs> we may have like a Last Supper table where you get to be one of the disciples. I like that. So, so basically, you're you're asking your listeners, you want to know what will make your show so good that they don't want to leave. Exactly. But so you got to know, no, no, what's their fantasy? Oh my goodness! <laughs> it has nothing to do with the fifty yard line at the Georgia Dome. No, absolutely not. Wow, I did not think we. So I was on Feinbaum today, right after Jim Donnan quoted the Black Eyed Peas, and now I've got you quoting Ludacris. Of course. That's, Your day has come full circle. I'm just going to start spouting off area codes now. But that's <laughs> that's perfect. Dan Rubenstein, thank you so much for joining. Guys, I'm serious. Hit me up. Andy underscore Staples on Twitter. What do you want to hear? Let's we're, we're rebooting here. What do you want this to be? I cannot wait. It's going to be fun. I love talking about college football. I love talking about food. I love talking about... Well, pretty much everything, if you ask my wife. She says I don't shut up. So we're going to have some fun with this. Your brand new place at the table, it just started right now, and we're going to keep it going. Thank you for listening. I think that just about does it. He's not done yet. Well, he may take a little while with that last bite, but it'll go down. That ain't the last bite. Well, sure it is. There's nothing on that plate but gristle and fat. Double the bet. Double the bet. Oh, God, man. No problem. Listen, if I can get a dessert down him, I think he could throw in a couple of Paul Bunyan hats for the kids. 